On today's Stuncast, we review Journey to Babel. The Enterprise carries a delegation of dignitaries on their way to discussing the entry of a new planet into the Federation. As the Vulcan ambassador Sarek and his wife Amanda board the Enterprise, we find out that they are Spock's parents. Also on board, murder. When the Tellarite ambassador is assassinated and Sarek falls ill, the very fabric of the Federation is at risk. Will Kirk and crew unravel this treacherous conspiracy? Will Sarek survive his surgery under the hand of Dr. McCoy? Will Spock have an emotionally fulfilling relationship with his father? Find out on set podcast to stun! Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint the Q, joined by Chancellor Emily Gowron, and Captain Corey. Hey, everybody. Guys, I have some great news. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, what is it? You know how you guys put me in charge of like the media outreach and, and public outreach? I don't remember doing that at all. And we put you in charge of what now? And it was like my job to like talk to the like listeners and the public. Wait, well, are you are you sending out unauthorized uh, PR communique? No, 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 no. Get this. We have more than one listener. Shut up. Listen. So what happened? was I made a fan podcast email for listeners to send their questions and comments to. And then I always thought it was really weird that we never like heard anything from anybody. Uh-huh. Uh, but it turns out that the, the email I made was set podcast to stew at yahoo.com. And mm. I, I've been checking our Gmail one that we use for other stuff. So <laughs> I finally looked at the Yahoo one and would you believe it? It was chock full of, just listener questions and, and responses. And I thought it might be kind of fun if we read some of them. And maybe this is a little segment and we would call it um, on screen or communications incoming. I don't know. We can workshop it. <laughs> or, or her at do your goddamn job. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right. Uh, so are you guys down to do that? We can just read a couple of things that viewers have been saying about the show. Sure. I feel like this is a trap, but uh, okay. let's do it. Yeah. I feel like all the viewers are just going to be Corey giving uh, less and less disguised barbs about how you and I ramble on, but sure. All right. Well, who wants to read the first one? Emily. Okay. Emily. (laughs) All right. I'm going to go ahead and uh, put this up. Go ahead and just read the the person. Oh, wait. So Um, is this going to be all about Stu? No. Oh, okay. No, I just spelled it wrong. Okay. Oh, wait. Are these real? (laughs) Yes. Irving, Texas. Twitter at KKK Aristotle Mess. Love the show. Great chemistry. Was wondering if you had to shove one Enterprise crew member out of an airlock, who would it be? Oh, great question, Crystal. I don't know about you guys, but I don't really like that that Spock character. <laughs> I feel like that's racist, but uh, I would say McCoy. He's the most annoying. He can be if I had to choose one person, it would be it would be McCoy. 
I mean, I'm gonna say Kirk and just watch the whole <laughs> ship descend into chaos. Huh. Well, hey, hey, Crystal, thanks for your responses and keep up the listening. Hey, Clint, do you want to read the next one? Sure. <laughs> All right, go for it. All right, Austin from Akron, Ohio. Uh, this is Austin uh, Mecker, attorney for <laughs> um, MuseCon Worldwide uh, LLC. MusicCon, I think. I this think message, it's MusicCon, yeah. This message is to inform you that the theme song <laughs> for this program is being used without explicit permission and is in direct violation of fair use. You're instructed to cease and desist immediately. Oh boy, egg on our noses, huh? Uh oh. <laughs> this email is from uh let's see, April of twenty twenty, so seems like well, a bit of an empty threat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that uh we aren't under the jurisdiction of US um US we only copyright law. Yeah. Intergalactic copyright yeah. law. Yeah, we all, yeah, only intergalactic federation copyright law. And those don't take effect for another like uh two hundred years, so I'm not going to worry about that until then. Well, be careful. I know MusicCon Worldwide LLC is pretty powerful. Hey, I'm going to read the next one. I was just going to say, in some cultures, you'll be put to death for not paying the right royalties. So <laughs> you got to watch out. Okay, guys. Let's say Dovid. Uh, Dovid from Fayetteville, North Carolina asks, when do you the movies? <laughs> when, when do you the movies? I think well, you... I think they're asking when we're going to review the movies. Yeah. (laughs) Dovid, we'll get there when we get there. We still got a season and a half to get through, you goose. It'll be basically never. Yeah, yeah, three years, probably. (laughs) All right, guys, who wants the next question? I'll do it. I'll do it. All right, go for it, Emily. Gunner, Bridgeport, Connecticut, says, great show. Very interesting to Crystal. When's the Mama Meatloaf shirt coming out? I want to buy one and wear it when I listen to you. I'm my neighbor's basement. (laughs) (laughs) Gunner, first of all, thank you for not only listening, but introducing it to your neighbor. And that's a good question. We got to maybe, Corey, you could crowdsource some Mama Meatloaf designs for our our t-shirt. Yeah. uh, I've been sending those requests to... uh, to this email for the past year. So I think we'll finally be able to get on it. Great question, Gunner. Thank you so much. Clint, do you want the next one? Sure. (laughs) All right. Uh, Terrence from Santa Rosa, California says, hi folks, long time listeners. (laughs) Me and the, (laughs) me and the family make uh, SPTS a weekly tradition. My wife thinks uh, two of you have a hotter voice uh, than me. Lol. Ooh, which two? Yeah, exactly. Now we're going to tear each other apart trying to figure (laughs) that out. Um, Quick question. Have you considered letting someone else do the hosting? (laughs) I don't know, Terrence. We kind of have a little set format here. I don't know, but if you violently overthrow Clint, um, I wouldn't stand in your way. Uh, just watch out, because I do have uh, explosives that I have surreptitiously implanted into the base of you and Corey's skull. So if anything happens to me... Watch this... out, listeners. You don't want to get us in any trouble, do you? Yeah, you know, any regime change has violence. Thanks, Terrence. Here's the next one, Emily. Go ahead and read that one. Anna from 
<laughs> from, Str- <laughs> from Springfield, Missouri, says, Hi, guys. I was wondering if Clint's always the host <laughs> or if you plan on switching it out. Hmm. Rihanna, what a dynamic idea. Well, I'm noticing a theme in these. I'm not liking this. <laughs> I mean, we'll have to take it under advisement. We certainly want to make our fans happy. We're not trying to, you know, rock any boats here. We're just here to have a good time. Uh, I'll go ahead and read the last question. Okay, great. Uh, this is Baxter from, wow, Carson City, Nevada. That's local. Oh, right, right in our backyard. Uh, thanks for the laughs. Oh, this one's kind of touching, guys. Thanks for the laughs and the in-depth coverage of this very important show. I've got a two-parter here. If you had to pick just one episode to recommend to somebody, which would it be? Also, have you guys thought about switching out the host? <laughs> well, Baxter, uh, I think I would recommend Shore Leave to anybody. That's just a fun, classic episode. Though the one that we're going to talk about today, I think is a pretty good contender for that as well. What about you guys? Mm, um, this is a tough think- one. I know you guys have never heard an episode on it, but Miri would be a good one because it's the first one we all unanimously liked. Um, I cannot remember what's in the second season. And what about you, Clinton? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put in my favorite episode, which is what what our little girls made of, because I think it's great. I mean it it just is a fun premise. Uh, I yeah. think you get some. It's a very interesting episode. I think it's one of the more fun episodes of the first season. Um, you got some hot, hot Android action with one ruck, uh, and that's it. Baxter, there's plenty of great episodes out there to get started in your viewing. Um, and to answer your second question, you know, now I'm starting to think about it a little bit more. But you know, this is a fluid show. It's dynamic. We don't like we don't like have a set program or schedule just we just we're just three people that like to hang out once a week and and chat about star trek so uh thank you everyone for your questions go ahead and send in any anything you can think of in the future would love to make this a reoccurring segment what uh what is the email again that they should send this to uh uh set podcast to stew just leave the n off at yahoo.com okay there you go uh yeah this was a lot of fun um i just heard though we can't ever do this again so <laughs> great one one time one time segment awesome great all right well that's all that's all i have <laughs> all right well uh after uh you know scrounging scraping the bottom of the barrel of our mailbag let's get into today's episode so today we are reviewing uh journey to babel it was first aired November 17th of 1967. It was written by uh, DC Fontana and directed by Joseph uh, Pevney. Pevney. Joseph Pevney. Yeah, we've seen that name before. The San Francisco treat. Do you guys know who uh, DC Fontana is? Mm, I, I feel no like you're going to tell us. She's a woman. Oh, wow. <laughs> What that's all? Yeah. Literally, all you're saying, she's a woman. She's a woman. Good for oh, her. Crazy, cool. crazy female writers. What? Uh, you know what her first episode she wrote was? This one? Nope. Just tell Char- us, Clint. Charlie X. Oh God. Shut up. Yeah. Wow, this is so much better than Charlie. She's come X. a long way. Holy shit. She also did a uh, Tomorrow Is Yesterday. Hey, I like that one. Oh, that was actually that would be a good one for um. Uh, Baxter. Yeah. You could only watch one. That would be a pretty good one to watch. 
Because <laughs> it doesn't take place in 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 the universe, I guess, or in the timeline. It takes place in sixties <laughs> America. The time cheerio. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah, let's uh, I let's kick off our our review. All right. Cor- yeah, Corey, start us off. I have a a special surprise for you guys at some point in this review. Oh, another, another one. one? Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, so the episode starts out with a very explosive fanfare. Did you guys notice that? There's a lot of like dramatic, scary music. There are, like lots of horns and blaring yeah. and a minor. Oh yeah. Da, 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 da. They really <laughs> hold those notes. Yeah. So uh, everyone's getting ready for some big gala. Like they're all dressed up to the nines. McCoy's belly aching about being in a formal uniform. Yeah, I was going to say, he's taking it really well. He's definitely not uh, being a curmudgeon at all. Well, he's a little less whiny than usual, so. I feel like my neck's in a sling. I'm glad he didn't say noose. <laughs> That's a medical procedure we do, actually. We just put a sling right around your neck. Kills everything up. <laughs> Kills all the bacteria in your brain. Um they're gonna go. They're going to Vulcan to pick up a delegation. So what's going on in the Enterprise right now is there's like hundreds of ambassadors from other planets on board because they're going to bring a. They're voting to bring a new planet into the Federation. So all these ambassadors are going to the name of this the episode. Place. What's the name and of this episode? Babel. Babel, and yeah. the Enterprise is tasked with picking them all up. Yeah, yeah. but they say it like Babel. Or something Babel. weird. Yeah. Babel, you're right. I didn't realize that that's what they were saying. <laughs> yeah, I didn't catch it either. So so the Enterprise is just like the Greyhound bus for all the ambassadors. And the, and the last ones that they're picking up are the Vulcan delegation. So they're right outside the planet Vulcan. And we get a uh, lovely early 2000 CGI of a Vulcan shuttle craft landing in the engine bay. Everyone's like lined up to receive the Vulcan ambassador. There's that intense, scary music again as they get off the ship. Like, Oh, you're totally glossing over. Spock teaches Bones something really good in preparation for this landing. The first time we're seeing. Oh, he. Oh, I remember. Let me say it. He's like, now, doctor, if you haven't brushed your teeth before, what I like to do is use the inside of my collar to, <laughs> to scrub off all the flack. <laughs> yeah. Classic Spock move. And then he teaches him. I don't remember. The Vulcan salute. The Vulcan oh, salute. Yeah. Oh, yeah. First is time this, we're seeing it. Is this the first time we've ever seen it? Yeah, 100%. No. <laughs> I think we saw it, yeah, at the beginning of the, the season where um, Spock needs to have sex or die. The pond fire, yeah. He yeah. A muck time? What? No, not a muck time. That's where uh, McCoy is high on his own drugs. Um, well, I just Googled it and it said that the first time you see the Vulcan salute is in a muck time. So the. Uh, <laughs> well, this, ambassador- okay, this isn't the first time then. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, it's <laughs> I when thought the, it was. It's in the second episode that the Gorn show up. Okay, so. Yeah. <laughs> the ambassador, the Vulcan ambassador gets off the ship and like greets everybody and then snubs Spock. And then we see his face and it's a Romulan in disguise. Oh no! Uh oh! He's the spy all along. It's the same actor who plays the Romulan captain in the that one episode where. Oh they... yeah, where there's almost war. Yeah, but he has been repurposed and reprised into this role. 
And this is the, he will play Spock's dad. He will play Sarek for basically the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. And what's his name again, Clint? His name is Mark Leonard. Mark Leonard. Yeah. To, uh, they had to find an actor. This was in Spock's contract where if they had someone play his father, they had to have a similar last name to his first name. Stop. Yeah. He's a capricious actor. It's 100% true. Real fact there. Okay. I cannot I cannot with you tonight. <laughs> so, like I said, this ambassador totally snubs Spock, like doesn't even look at him when Spock greets him. And then uh, I want to play this out as a little bit of a radio drama. I will be Kirk. Clint, you're Spock's dad. And Emily, you're, you're Spock, okay? Ready? Okay. Hi, I'm Kirk. Would you like Spock to be your guide on the ship, Ambassador? I would like someone else to be my guide. Uh, okay. Hey, Spock, do you want to go down to the planet and visit your parents while we're here in orbit around Vulcan? But, Kirk, these are my parents. Dun, dun, dun. Ah. Oh, my goodness. And then, and Sarek is like, now watch as I finger bang my wife. And then they put their... Well, as I finger bang she who is my wife. Yeah. <laughs> and then they put their finger their their fingers together. Yeah. You, you yep. took my joke <laughs> that I had later. <laughs> Does anyone want to describe Spock's mom? I loved her. I loved her the whole time. I wrote that she's a delight. She's always like got very cute little layers. She's wearing like classic fabrics that would look good in any era. She's like she got legs that don't end. She's got like the perfect balance between sass and compassion. She's like right in the middle of these two stubborn men who just can't see that the reason they don't get along is that they're so similar. <laughs> she She's very elegant. She has like a beehive hairdo with purple and silver highlights. And she has it. a vest with a tall funeral-like collar, I wrote. Oh, Ooh. Yeah, the actress is uh Jane Wyatt. And yeah, her and Mark Leonard, they just do a super job uh with um portraying Spock's parents this whole episode. I think they were I think they were the the best part of the episode was those two kind of playing off each other and playing against um Leonard Nimoy. I thought it was great. Yeah, she had great chemistry with everyone. She was in scenes with all of these characters and it worked well. She was a delight. That character shows up later in TNG. Is did he remarry? Because she didn't live that long, right? So he like remarried another. Yeah, lady. I remember in TNG he is remarried, and it's just the same actress again. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. He's got a type. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> this is her daughter. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Vulcan version of Lolita, except they're oh god! All the all the human women are like in their thirties, <laughs> like the daughters in her thirties, and in, in Vulcan, that's still like dating a fifteen-year-old, you know? Yeah. Okay, so uh, Spock's mom approaches Spock later, and she's like, "After three years, you never learned how to smile because he's been in Starfleet for three years, and then and with with humans." And then she says that you've never, you haven't visited us for four years. And then we also find out that he hasn't talked to his father in almost 20 years. That seems illogically cold. 
Well, and we find out why they haven't talked in the next scene. So we find out that Spock's dad, it's not really dislikes because he's a Vulcan, but he's he doesn't want to have anything to do with Spock because Spock decided to go into Starfleet instead of becoming a Vulcan science officer. And um, Kirk is concerned about all of this, of course. I wouldn't have taught you to learn. I wouldn't have taught you how to use a computer if I knew you were just going to go into Starfleet. Yeah, that's <laughs> so again, very, uh, very reasonable. Uh, Kirk and Spock's mom spend a long time talking about the relationship. There's a lot of a lot of talking scenes in this episode, mm. but I loved uh, it. I loved the uh, I loved the drama. I loved the family drama. I loved the talking. I loved the little tiny V of the mother. It was great. No, it's good. It felt like a soap opera. It felt like a very TNG sort of episode. Mm. Okay, so after this little family reunion um uhura picks up a strong signal appearing somewhere nearby and that's all we really know for now so keep that in the back of your minds everybody yeah and you know what else not only that she's on a video call with kirk oh was she i I didn't even notice that uhura right yeah yeah they said this is like the tiniest mat done so far in Mm mm-hmm but she's just on the little view screen and I forget what she says. I was so, I was so just blown away by the visual effects that I couldn't process what she was talking about. The ability to uh, project into the future in that manner. Okay. So after this, we get the scene of the reception. So we get to see a ton of aliens in the next scene. These are all the ambassadors. It's like a star Wars cantina sort of thing. Oh, it's so great. It's like two wizards talking to each other. Um, little, little people with fezzes. And gold skin. Gold painted midgets. Yeah. They've got pigmen with furry hands and their clothes are made of like tinfoil and saran wrap. There's just a purple lady. There's some did, wolf men. Did you see the guy in the background with like a, like pigtails and a beard? Yes. I like also the guys um that are like well they come up later but they've got little like antennas but they're also wearing knight's armor for you know reasons (laughs) yeah Yeah. the The andorians yeah yeah it was cool like because i like enterprise and they show up in enterprise so it's like oh wow this is like this was just a dumb sketch that someone did really quick and then it became like a, a huge part of the universe later on I think that I think they have Andorians in DS9 too. Yeah, they like come up like they come up in DS9 and TNG. It's mostly just like when they need like an alien sounding alcohol, they're like, "Oh, have some Andorian brandy." Yeah. Or, "Oh, it's screaming like an Andorian bat or something like that." So, but the Tellerites, yeah. The Tellerites and the Andorians are both founding members of the federation yes oh well there you go and the tellerites let's talk about them the tellerites are nasty they look nasty yeah they got this plaster over their eye they're over their eye sockets so you can just see like holes and you can't see their eyeballs and it's just gross and i like with they look like those ugly masks from that twilight zone i think we've talked about this before (gasps) yes that oh my god i was like looking at it the whole time trying to be like what do they remind me of and that's exactly what it is ah clint (laughs) there you go emily um but yeah they're known as being argumentative that's what sarah says no they're not 
exactly. Wow, you better defect to the uh, the Tellarites. No, I have a good gig here. Yeah. Hey, I always wonder, like, for the, there's like TNG species and then the Tellarites, where there's like facial things where they have nooks and crannies inside of their skin. I'm like, how the hell do they claim that? Like the Tellarites have like open eye sockets where they'd have to like take a Kleenex and like go inside of it like they're cleaning yeah. out a jar or something. It's nasty. I don't know. That's weird. I yeah. mean, you have a penis that's got some folds and <laughs> crannies. You've got yes. a belly button that's got I nooks, do. you know? <laughs> yes, I have all of those things. <laughs> so anyway, in later episodes with the Tellarites, though, they kind of like, because they have those hooded eyes, they take those away so they don't look so creepy. In in like I think the other time we see them is in the Enterprise show, um, so they don't look as creepy. But I guess the guy who did this, uh, he had to like tilt his head to like look at people. So they say that was like an unintentional help with the flavor of them like talking down to people, where they're kind of like always looking down their nose oh, at other people. Cool. Um, oh, I like that. And I just want to say it's just like they spent the entire budget on um costumes and makeup this episode as we saw there's like no um no other sets except for the enterprise set there's they wanted to like do the opening shot on vulcan but they couldn't afford they didn't couldn't afford the matte painting um and they wanted to beam in um Sarek, but they didn't they couldn't afford to do the beam in effect so they just reused footage of the Galileo coming in from the Galileo 7. And then they they went on with the episode. So I was going to say they blew all their budget on the CGI. Yeah, I actually was totally fine with it. I thought that like having the delegates arrive like on a ship made more sense. I actually had a note that I really liked the way that they use the setting. I thought it was really clever. Like it is obviously just the same like hallway and rooms rearranged, Mm. but they're doing like a lot of different lighting. So in the hallway, when they're talking by a body, spoiler alert, all the lights are green. And then in their bedroom, it's a red light. And in the hospital scene, all the lights are purple. Yeah. Like green and purple. It's really blue. Yeah. And they, they have really interesting uh, camera angles this episode. Like, I think possibly it was where they were like, oh my gosh, we're just in the same room. So we got to like go at it from a weird angle or like rearrange this desk so you can't tell it's the same desk. But it made for a really dynamic shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I wasn't complaining um, about that. I actually really liked that there were a lot of extra characters, extra character designs other aliens um so i'm not complaining that they spent all their money on on makeup and costumes i loved it i thought the, sh- the ship felt so alive this yeah, episode it really did. this might be this might be the one the the only episode that is entirely on the ship mm-hmm. like they yeah. don't go to any location right. and it, it really works TNG yeah. does one it of, all the time the one scene that i really liked that like you said Corey. um it, that felt very TNG is uh, Spock is working over at the computers where O'Hara usually sits. And normally that's like in the far corner, kind of in the background, or they're just doing like a close up on O'Hara. But instead they like have the camera kind of in the corner. So like the most of the shot is that camera. And then, you know, the part of the bridge that we're more familiar with is like barely, barely in the background. And it was literally seeing the bridge from an angle we've never seen before. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. 
hey, do you guys want to talk about the buffet platter at the at the party? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Wait, sorry. Let me drink from this glass of colorful rocks. Well, hold on. Let me grab my grab my colorful melon, my uh, roughly cut up cantaloupe that was dyed with food coloring nine different ways. I need to get my scoop of mashed potatoes that have become fluorescent. Hey, don't touch my clump of semi-digested fruity pebbles. <laughs> this is my shish kebab filled with uh, cut up versions of the floppy disks. <laughs> There's a lot of color at the buffet. It's great, but... It's actually also I love that scene too. They're like talking about this semi boring geopolitical thing of like, well, we want to, you know, vote to get the planet in, but that's controversial and oh, geopolitical exposition, blah blah blah. But like the scene is these two gold-painted midgets wandering <laughs> around eating these colorful things. It was really like a really fun scene. There's also uh like McCoy's like to Spock's dad, Sarek, his name's Sarek. He's like, I was surprised to hear you're retiring. You're only 102. You're like a young lad in Vulcan years. And then Sarek's like, I'm 102.437 years old. Please yeah. be accurate. <laughs> that was so fun. It was such a great like uh, callback to Spock. It was a fun also, like I think, fan nod. Because if you've watched the other episodes, you would totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That's funny. It's it's like McCoy's like, well, I know where you get your Vulcan sass from. Yeah, no kidding, right? Emily, you hinted to some of the boring geopolitical stuff. And basically, like, the Tellarite wants to know, he he's asking Sarek, how are the Vulcans going to vote going forward? And we find out later that the Tellarites don't want the vote to go forward because they want that planet to stay out of the Federation so they can use it for mining exploitation. And the Vulcans want to bring it into the Federation and then give it those protections so it can't be exploited. Yeah, so they can be like fairly compensated for their resources. We're not gonna we're not gonna stop from mining this from, planet. Yeah, strip mining the shit out of this but planet. We will pay you for it. Yeah, we'll pay you. <laughs> they said it was an under what underpopulated planet, and it has tons of of dilithium. That sweet, sweet dilithium. It is also one thing, um, they've mentioned dilithium before, they'll mention it again, that's another thing to see them kind of paying attention to their own in-universe stuff. Yeah, they do that later on too, when they're talking about that alien vessel, and they're like, is it the Klingons, the Romulans? So like things that aren't even in that episode, like now there's like an established lore about them, what they are and aren't capable of. The Tellarite wants to know how the Vulcans are going to vote. Spock's dad's not saying it. He's like, I will tell you when we get to the planet. Uh, We also find out at the reception that Spock had a teddy bear as a kid. His mom embarrasses him in front of all his friends. She says, oh, like a fat teddy bear. And then Spock's like, after everyone leaves, uh, Kirk and McCoy go up to him and they're like, so you had a teddy bear. And then what does he say? Oh, he goes, not quite. Uh, on Vulcan, the teddy bears are alive, and they have six-inch fangs. <laughs> um, both uh, Sarek and Amanda have a vicious fight about this uh, later on in the episode. We can go ahead and talk about it now. <laughs> well, Sarek just says, oh, you shouldn't embarrass him in front of you know his colleagues. He's a Starfleet officer. And then uh, Amanda is all like, Oh, but I thought you didn't approve of this. And he said, well, it's not about me approving. 
he's a starship officer and he needs to be respected to do his job. And then she accuses him of, of being proud of him in a human sense. Oh, it almost sounds like human pride. <laughs> and then what do they do, Emily? They finger bang. Finger bang. We, uh, we talk about this earlier. I guess we should like kind of describe the, the motion where you take your index and your middle finger and then they just kind of like touch their fingers together in a like cross. I don't know. It's like the mildest form of holding hands you can imagine. It's like a scout's handshake. Yeah, it's like a yeah. two five or something like that, where you just kind of like <laughs> hold it two together. Five. Yeah, yeah, it's about right. Or a high two, I guess. Well, for them, it was a low two. High two, low two, too slow. <laughs> okay, so they find out um, that someone on board is on in contact with the alien vessel. Like the, the, this thing, it looks like a spinning pinwheel. It's just like not doing anything, but it's just hanging out outside the Enterprise. They've been investigating. I said it, it. was a fidget spinner. <laughs> that works. An enemy good. fidget spinner. Oh no! My ADHD is going into overdrive. Ah, <laughs> oh, quick, quick. There's a tiny little scene here, though, where Kirk's on the bridge and he's looking over at Uhura and he's like, like, you didn't have the beam tight enough for localizing where it is on the ship. And then Kirk, like, reprimands her a little bit. And that was like, it was like a little techno battle thing. Like, Uhura wasn't doing her job 100% correctly. Like, she wasn't doing a good enough job finding out where the beam was going on the ship. Then Sarek, uh, there's a scene of Sarek mixing pills and blood wine. He's ready to party. <laughs> yeah, he goes. Finger bang she who is my wife. And now let's get rowdy. He goes back to the party and. <laughs> finger agra. <laughs> what? <laughs> the, the teller I asks him again, like, how are the Vulcans going to vote? And he gives him the same answer. And now the teller, I, and he's like, I'm he not. He breaks a bottle over the edge of a table and he goes, ask me again. <laughs> he's like, I, we are going to vote in favor because we don't want some species to exploit this planet. And then the teller, it's like, you would call us thieves. And then the teller, lunges at Spock's dad and then um, tries then to start a little fight. But then Kirk walks in and breaks it up. You know, stop your fighting, or we'll make you wear the get along shirt. Or I'll murder you and string you up. Spock's dad's like, we got two rules on Vulcan. First we fuck, and then we fight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In the next scene, a crewman finds that very Tellarite ambassador dead. <gasps> he's like, he's like hanging upside down in a closet or something. It's like know. a round. It looks like a garbage chute. Except instead of going down from the floor, it's like the garbage is coming down to where you are. Well, that's where Tellarites belong. In the garbage. Thieving pig face guys. <laughs> Dirty ass eye sockets. Go look at the floor. <laughs> Go look at the floor. Uh, no. McCoy determines... Oh, sorry. Do you want to say something, Clint? No. Oh, okay. Other than I just want to talk about the Endorian, too. Where he looks like he's about to, to just die if they're a stiff stiff breeze you know like <laughs> he's approximately 109 human years old he's a he's very fired. old man he's, he's seen a lot of things clint i feel like they just like captured this guy in like a retirement home and then put him in blue makeup and then he's like what's going on 
I don't have makeup. I just don't have any iron in my blood. Where are these monsters in this room? Somebody told me I'd get some soup. Uh, Okay, so later McCoy determines that whoever killed the Tellarite was an expert because the neck is broken perfectly. You just had to snap that neck. Also, I can't believe we forgot about this. I cannot believe we forgot about this. We skipped over a scene of a fully shirtless Kirk. Oh, I'm sorry. I yeah. Uh, yeah. Completely nipples out, belly button yeah. still hidden, Kirk. Wait, when was this? What was when, going on? When the crewman found the dead Tellarite, he told Kirk, and that's and Kirk was taking his shirt off. Oh, uh, okay. He's like, oh man, I'm getting hot. Something must be going on in my ship. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay i want to do another this was another really dramatic moment and i want to do a little uh play with it okay. so clint you're mccoy and you tell me how the tellerite died i will be kirk and then emily you be spock all right ready action he's dead jim okay what happened to him <laughs> <laughs> his neck's broken it was Really good. Almost like an expert did it. And then I'm going to turn to Spock. Who would have the knowledge to break a neck like that? Vulcans would. And they would do it. Logically and ruthlessly. (laughs) So then Kirk reveals that he just happened to... He just broke up a fight between the Tellarite and Spock's dad. And then Spock's like... Spock's like, yeah, my father could be a very efficient killer if logic dictated such an action. (laughs) My dad could kill your dad. (laughs) Our ambassador could kill your ambassador. They confront Spock's dad. He says, wasn't me. I was meditating. It wasn't me. But really, I was sick. Meditating is a a very private event, as you know. (laughs) And then suddenly, Spock's dad collapses. Something's wrong with his heart. His heart don't work no more. Uh Uh-oh. He needs blood. They're going to have to operate, but they don't have enough Vulcan blood to do that. Um, that, that green stuff. It's the rare T-negative variety. Mm-hmm. Good thing Spock is also T-negative. But oh, he's but half what human. what are they going to do? <laughs> they during can filter this, that out. During this very uh, dramatic and intense and emotionally resonant scene, we're going to do a smash cut to Kirk fighting with the metallic moth and night armor. No shit. He has a no knife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was wondering, it's- I'm like, did I miss something? Because it just like cuts to him fighting this guy. I'm like, wait a second. Was I not paid attention? No, it but- is exactly how it's filmed. Just that abrupt. And then all of a sudden, Kirk is literally stabbed in the back. He knocks the guy out. And then he's like, I'm bleeding my own blood. Yeah, it's crazy. There's something There's something we didn't get in the remastered version. And when like Kirk like kicks a wall and the... And the Andorian falls down, and then there's like a comical like hit, it, like coconut hits your head sound effect when that happened, and they took that <laughs> out. But I wanted to preserve no, that. Yeah. Justice for coconut sounds. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Emily is not being like uh, flipping with this. Like, so it's like we need your blood, Spock. But I'm half human. Well, you could give more blood that might do it, but that could kill him. There's a shitload of drama in this scene. It's like a, it's like it has to be five minutes of them just arguing back and forth. It's the only way. But then like 
McCoy and Spock's mom are against Spock, like donating that much blood. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, we can't risk both of you. Uh, So it's like McCoy is just going to have to do this with other methods. Stakes are high. Yes. And then bam, Kirk is just like, mid wrestling it's not even like he lunges like he's mid wrestling with somebody yeah <laughs> and it, smash cut. yeah it's like right in the when someone's like in the middle of a word and it's cut to kirk fighting getting yeah. stabbed in the spleen uh, yeah it's a really a really intense little bit didn't didn't it come out though that like sarek was passed out from his disease like while this murder was happening eventually yeah I think yeah so yeah. he was yeah. like oh i wasn't meditating I was I was face down from taking too much finger agra, which is Viagra for your fingers. No, you used that joke already, and I yeah. laughed. Um, so now Kirk is bleeding out. Sarek's about to die. Spock wants to do this procedure, but he's being prohibited from it because it's too dangerous. And now Spock is in command of the ship. It's Detective Spock. He has to like solve a murder and then an attempted murder. So. This next scene was kind of my, I, I actually really like this episode, but this next scene kind of drove me crazy a little bit. So they're in the med bay. Kirk is there unconscious, but he's getting a little bit better. Spock's dad is in the next bed, getting worse. And then McCoy is like, Spock, you're right. The only way we can heal your dad is for you to do the blood transfusion. I was against it, but now I'm for it. And then Spock's like, I can't do that anymore. I'm in charge of this ship. And then now his mom is begging him to do it. Like, you yeah. have to do this. Oh, my God. It drove me crazy. It was just they just totally flip sides. And then we had just as long as a scene. But now everyone's on the opposite side of the fence. It drove me nuts. Everyone was flip flopping this episode. I agree with you, Corey. That made me crazy because, yeah, Spock wanted to do it and then he couldn't do it. And then his mom didn't want him to do the surgery, but then she did want it. And there was nothing that precipitated her to be like, you got to do the surgery. You know, like in one scene, she's like, you can't do this. I can't lose both of you. And the next scene, she's like, you got to do this. And you can't, you can't be the captain. Remember your humanity, Spock. I wish I could reach the human inside of you. And then she slaps him because he's refusing to help his dad. His dad. It's just like, holy shit. It was a total 180. Yeah. This was a, I mean, I enjoyed the drama of it and I like the stakes of it, but I think it just needed a little finesse. Like there's this whole part of like, we need to save Sarek because he's your father. And I'm like, no, we don't. We need to save Sarek because this is an extremely delicate diplomatic mission. And he is the casting vote that holds the fate of an entire planet in his tiny gnarled hands. Like that's an argument for Spock to do it more than this is your father. You know what I mean? And like, that I thought no one ever brought that up. And then when Kirk is like knocked out and he Spock's like, I can't because I'm the acting captain. And they're like, well, anyone, his mom is like, anyone on the ship could be a good captain. He's like, but I can't abdicate my duty. And I'm like, yes, you can. You could recuse yourself if you're like, I'm too conflicted between what's going on with my family and the ship right now. Like that would be perfectly valid. It was a very melodramatic episode. She was ice cold. She's like, I'll hate you if you don't help your father now. <sighs> like, damn. Well, she's she's been learning what it's like to be a Vulcan. Yeah. Okay, so Kirk comes around. Did you guys notice even his bandages are like a futuristic sparkly thing? I always do that. I did not notice, but I'm not Yeah, surprised. it was like weird saran wrap or something. Not saran uh, so, wrap. There's that, that like foam stuff. Like trainer, like when you get yeah. your blood drawn. So um, Spurk, 
Spurk, Spock, Kirk. Kirk comes around again. That's their dating name, Spurk. Spurk. It's their fusion DBZ name. <laughs> the plan is that Kirk will take, assume, he's not quite in good health, but he will assume command again, so Spock will agree he's to do gonna, the transfusion. He's going to fake it, so Spock yeah. will do the transfusion, and then someone else can really be in command. And I hated this. I was like, God damn it, they can't just let someone else be the hero. Like, Kirk has to show up and be the hero. Well, we can't let Ahura do it. Oh, my God. He was stabbed, like, 15 minutes ago, and now he's, like, limping onto the bridge. He's like, I'm fine. But Spock has to be like, okay, I I relieve my command because if Spock thinks that Kirk's not fine, so Spock really, or Kirk really has to pretend that he's in okay health. Yeah, well, and it was funny because he, then they were like, uh, as soon as Spock left, he was like, Ohura, call Scotty to the bridge. And I was like, he's like, oh my god, I'm gonna stop doing this. <laughs> and I thought that was kind of clever. And then the fidget spinner situation heats up, and he's like, never mind. And I was like, oh my god, fuck you, Kirk. <laughs> yeah, they find out that it's talking to the, they know who it's talking to on the ship now. It's talking to someone in the brig. <gasps> oh yeah, it's we talking... forgot to say that uh, the signal is coming from inside the ship. <laughs> Yeah, it's the Andorian assassin. My That's my favorite part fun. about this is he says, security to the brig. Someone check that prisoner. And I was just like, wait, shouldn't security already be at the brig? <laughs> <laughs> You're not having anyone. This is why prisoners are always escaping and wandering around the ship. It's because you don't have anyone watching prisoners. Oh my gosh, I know, right? Uh, Spock goes to get his transfusion. And there's a really, there's a funny little scene. Because his dad's like in an iron lung and he's like nearby on a bed and he's giving blood. And then he's like, "Ah, doctor, I just remembered something. I need to tell Kirk there's a weird alien signature on the ship. And I think I know what it is. And then suddenly Nurse Chapel comes in and gives him some tranquilizer and knocks him out. (laughs) Well, because he's like, oh, I need to go to the bridge now. And they're like, make up your fucking mind, Spock. You're going to do this Give blood or not, and it's too late to not do it. Like, up, sleepy time. Uh, Okay, so the vessel starts shooting on the Enterprise. They fire back, but they can't hit it. There's tension in the operating room because now, like, the room is shaking. Yeah, and the ship is too fast for them to hit. Yeah, it's too fast. Yeah. Spock's dad's heart has stopped. The power goes up in the ship. Oh, my God, what's going to happen? And then the episode cut out for me um, because I was watching this on uh, Clint's Paramount+. Plus. And I tried watching other episodes of different shows, and they both worked on both services. It was specifically this episode. So Whoa. I have no idea what happens next. I assume <laughs> I assume Spock's dad dies. No. And then the Enterprise is destroyed right after he dies. Yeah. No, that does oh, happen. Yeah, that does happen. So you guys are going to have to take over from here, because I did not finish the episode. Um, well, what happens? Yeah, I mean, there's the ship shaking, and there's some drama um and i don't know like oh uh kirk kirk brings the andorian um to uh okay i'm sorry let me start over so they're in this tense battle with the super fast ship um they crack open the andorian's head i think they actually um they phaser him and he falls on the floor and then his antenna breaks and there's a little communication uh, device in his antenna they bring him up to the bridge he's not helpful at all he's just there and he hangs out um kirk kind of like interrogates him a little bit but they just have a little back and forth 
And then Kirk has this great stratagem where he ha- he tells um, engineering to cut power to half the ship, like the starboard side or whatever. So this lures the really fast ship into a, a sense of false security. He's he's baiting them. He's baiting them in. Um, and they come to finish off the job. And then bzzz, he phases them out of existence. And they, they're they going to go over and they're going to oh. interrogate the crew. Um, but they self-destruct. Um, the Andorian um, has taken poison. And he says, I'm going to be ten in... I'm going to be dead in 10 minutes. And then he's just like, just kidding. I'm going to die now. And he dies. Oh yeah. That, that is also basically exactly what happens. He was like, I took a slow poison. It's like, Oh, I miscalculated. (laughs) JK, I'm dead. Later fam. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the Andorian assassin (laughs) killed the Tellarite and then it killed, uh, it tried to kill Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So why, um, was it, why was he trying to kill Kirk? We never know. They never explain everything. No, I'm kidding. So um, they kind of do the wrap up sequence where they're all in the in the the med bay, um, and they find out. I forget how they find out, but they found out that these are are Orions, which are the green people with really sexy women. Um, the Orions, um, came onto the ship. They were trying to, you know, sow discord on the ship and confuse and weaken them so that when the ship comes, they can destroy the whole thing. And there'll be some, I think it's like a setup for like some interplanetary conflict or war. And this would also stop, um, the, I think it's Corinthia is what the planet is called. It would stop bringing them into the Federation. Um, Keridan, that's it. It would Keridan would not join the. They were hoping Keridan wouldn't join the Federation. It would start some sort of intergalactic war. The Orions would continue to pilfer um, the Dilithium from this planet and then sell it to everyone in the war and would make a a, a killing in profit. Yep, the Ferengis would be proud. Yeah, and they're all in the med bay. Um, and um, Kirk and Spock want to get to duty, but um. McCoy's like, shut up, shut up, everyone. Shut up and lay down. And then he's like, oh, I finally get the last word. Wow, that was a lot. (laughs) You know, it was a lot. It was a fast-paced episode, despite the fact that, with the exception of Shirtless Kirk and some knife fighting, it was mostly, like, interpersonal drama. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. Yeah, let's do the review. Emily, you go first. Thumbs up. It felt, Corey, you said something earlier that I had been thinking as well. This felt so much like a TNG episode. Mm-hmm. Like, this could have so easily been a TNG episode with just a few tiny tweaks. I know. There was so much like, how does this person feel about me? How does this person feel about me? Like, mm-hmm. there was so and much like, of that. I, I love it. And a lot of the, like, stuff that Spock's mom was doing was very uh, Counselor Troy, like, well, it can be complicated to, you know, be a child of two cultures and you have to come to peace with that, Spock. I I really actually love this episode. I think it's probably one of the best ones that we've seen. Mm-hmm. We've, I mean, we've talked about all the reasons before and I don't want to rehash them, but it was just so solid. Like every every part of it was was just good from the interpersonal drama to there's a mystery on the ship to having like a, a B plot. It's interesting. You think like 
the thing that's outside the vessel trying to threaten them wouldn't be a B plot, but it, it, it ends up being like that. But yeah, it was just there really was cool. Also, you know what else? There was also like a good sense of fun. Like mm-hmm. the buffet scene we were talking about or like the scenes where his mom's kind of ribbing Spock a little bit. Like sometimes they get so heavy handed and take themselves so seriously that you kind of are like, guys, this is not, you know, a board meeting. This is a fun sci-fi show. And this had that in between all these like really rich drama moments. And, you know, that also makes me think this episode, it doesn't really have an antagonist like there is an antagonist, there's like an assassin, but it's really not important to the plot. Like this episode could have just been about the relationship with Spock and his dad. Um, man versus himself. In a lot of recent episodes, it's been like like they are versus the the antagonist for the entire episode. They're either captured on a planet or they're trying to like outsmart it. But in this case, there wasn't really like this big bad. It was kind of more in the background. And that was kind of refreshing. Yeah, Sarek is kind mm-hmm. of the antagonist in a way of the... I mean, he's the kind of big obstacle um, in, in this story. Do um, they ever make up at the end? No, they don't. And they continue this idea of the feud well, between him and his dad. Say, well, they say something like his mom is like, you should say thank you to your son. And he's like, why? And he's like, for saving your life. And he's like, it was only logical. So like. <laughs> and then she gets pissed off and she's like, you Vulcans and your goddamn logic. This is what I think about it. And then she's about to get angry. And then they all just kind of they're like, <laughs> dumb yeah, women. That's so like they do this thing of like. Spock and his father are so clearly cut from the same cloth, but they're not really reconciled. Oh, I remembered too. I'm sorry, Emily, to cut you off, but the end joke is um, her mother being angry at Spock and and Sarek for being so logical, and then um, Spock's like, "This woman is so emotional. Why did you marry her?" And Sarek says, "Well, at the time, (laughs) he says uh it was only logical at the time yeah so it was like the vulcan equivalent of like well it was a good idea at the time i think i think the implication i got was like well she was knocked up (laughs) (laughs) um so uh i'll i'll just say my thoughts on it thumbs up for me as well thought it was a great episode um i loved that spock or not spock i liked that kirk kind of took a backseat in this episode and yeah. Spock and McCoy did a lot of the heavy lifting. It was nice to see, even though McCoy's annoying, it's kind of good to see him play more of a central role. It was um, good to see him play the role of a ship doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, not just a whiny crank. Um, it was great to dive more into Spock's character. I thought that was really cool and seeing the dynamic between him and his parents. And then also just expanding the world building of the show with having other tons of other races and them kind of like talking to each other. Usually we only get like one alien race at a time. So it's nice to see them all in it and interacting with each other. So I thought it was a great as well. It's also, I think, um, you know, they're always joking about Spock being logical, but here you definitely see this warring between the logic and the emotions. I think Mm -hmm. in Spock and in Sarek almost this idea of like, no, it's only logical. And it's like, yeah, yeah. It's not that you're, quote-unquote logic happens to align with your feelings as well yeah no i think that's a great point that you know you kind of as i was saying too like he was struggling with his pride or he was feeling pride kind of earlier too despite his disapproval of spock so yeah they handled that really well yeah 
All right. Anything else you guys want to say? That's all I got. We love you. Well, thank you everyone for listening. We just want you to know that we love you. Send in more mail, please. But not each other. Oh, I forgot to mention there was a a blue apron and a uh, uh, audible request for commercials in there from like three months ago. I just deleted those, though. Okay, good. Yeah, probably a scam. We're definitely not doing this for money, just like the Federation. Uh, (laughs) It would be a lot better if we (laughs) were doing this for money, right? So anyway, (laughs) uh, until we see you next time, keep on trekking.